0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: Here's a way to do it. It gives you an Old Testament, New Testament, a Psalm, and a Proverb. Take, take it takes you to the Bible in the year. It gives you something that you can, you can walk through. Some other people are going through it with you. You can ask questions if you have if you need help along the way, but you'll be going through the Word of God. And you'll be amazed. I'm amazed sometimes at how i will be reading through something that I've read so many times and then today God just hit me new and afresh. I read that, I taught that. But today he's speaking to me differently because the word is living and it's powerful. But I won't know this unless I spend time in it.
0: In today's message, Pastor Bill will encourage you to be consistent and persistent in making time for being in the word of God. The word of God is living and breathing. It's useful and relevant to our lives. Through the Bible, we can learn important lessons, gain wisdom to help us in hard times, be encouraged and strengthen and grow closer to God. But for many, taking time to read the Bible is easier said than done. Pastor Bill will remind you that you need to take time to intentionally be in the Word. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 24 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: I want to be full of you and empty me of myself. Help me die to myself today that you might fill my life. And that your light might be shining through me. So back to Leviticus 4 and 5 again, it says he shall be in charge of the lamps of the pure uh, on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. Um, It was to be something that was constantly being taken care of. And I just want to point that out. The the word continually. it's It's an ongoing work. So the filling of the Holy Spirit is not something that happens one day. Oh yeah, back in 1985, I went forward at church, they laid hands, I, received the, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. No, it's an ongoing work, because you be leaking. Um, guys, you, you, you ask the Lord, and God daily, fill me today. Fill me anew, fill me afresh. I need to be full of you constantly. It's a, it's, a, it's an ongoing prayer, and it's really not something you can pray for if you're not, you gotta participate. And I was just talking to somebody about this this week. When you say, God, fill me with your spirit, you're also, in that prayer, you're also saying, because I'm going to yield, Lord. I'm going to yield. If, if I took a cup, and it was an empty cup, and I said, Tony, would you fill this cup? And Tony came over with a picture to fill the cup, but I kept moving. Well, he can't fill the cup. So my asking to fill it is irrelevant, because I keep moving. He says, I'm moving. You know, it doesn't work that way. I can say, God, fill me with your spirit. And God starts speaking to me, leading me, guiding me, but I won't yield, so I'm not full even though I prayed for it. When you say, God, fill me with your spirit, when you pray that, it's in the prayer you're also submitting yourself. You're saying, God, because as you lead, I'm going to follow you. As you guide me, I'm going to go. As you convict me, I'm going to stop. I'm going to yield to the process of being filled with your spirit. It's something I ask God to do, but I'm an active participant in that process of being filled with the spirit. And it needs to be a continual thing. The next thing here, we're going to look at the the the, the bread in the tabernacle. I look at verses five through nine with me. It says, and you shall take fine flour and bake 12 cakes with it. Two tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row on the pure gold table before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each row that it may be on the bread for a memorial and offering made by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath, he shall set it in order before the Lord continually being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy to him from the offering of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. So now we have the bread of the tabernacle. What is it symbolic of? What's significant about that? In a very practical way, the bread in the tabernacle, the the things to make the bread were brought by the people, just like the oil. The oil, the people, the children of Israel brought the oil. They had to harvest it, bring it as an offering to the Lord. And it, it, it lit up the, the temple or the tabernacle in a, in a continual way. The bread here is also the, the things to make the bread are brought by the people. And uh, they're to make the bread. God's giving them specific instructions. I want you to make it. Two rows, six in a row, set it on the pure gold table. I want pure frankincense um, in each row and it's going to be made by fire. It's going to be an offering to the Lord. But it says that Aaron and his sons are also supposed to eat from it. So we're reminded that the Levites, they didn't have um, the way that they were taken care of was as the people brought their offerings to the Lord. There was a portion that was allotted to them. The The servants of the Lord were to live off of and be taken care of by by God's people. And so you had times in in Israel's history where people wouldn't give. They wouldn't bring the tithe, they wouldn't give. And so then the priests weren't taken care of, neither was worship was interrupted. The things that were needed for all these things to transpire weren't done because the people were being disobedient. And so here they're, they're told what to bring and Aaron and his sons are told what to do with it and it's for them to eat. Uh, it was to be fresh. It was to be done regularly. It wasn't to be. There couldn't be some old stale bread from last week out. They were to do this process continually, over and over again. It was to be fresh. What's this symbolic of for for you and I? The bread of the tabernacle speaks of fellowship and communion with God. In um, Exodus twenty five thirty, it's called the the showbread, and that word showbread means bread of the face, and the idea is that it's eaten in the presence of the Lord or in the face of God. So it's, a, it's something that you eat. It's a, it's a, as they would eat it, it's like they were eating it with God. It was, it, was a, it was a fellowship. It was something they were eating with the Lord. And so here, as the bread is brought, it's, it's, a, it's a picture. It's not, it, it gives us the picture. It gives us the, the idea of communion, of fellowship with the Lord. We talked about this earlier, that God doesn't want our communion to him, our fellowship with him to be stale. He wants it to be fresh. He wants it to be something that's done on a continual basis. And so we don't obviously bake bread and that's not how we fellowship with the Lord. Um, now we, we we get into the word. That's where we go. We eat from the word of God. We spend time in the word. That's one way that we spend time in his face or in his presence. And so I would ask us to consider that aspect of our walk. We talked about the, the fullness of the spirit and whether our light is shining or not. What's your intimacy with the Lord like? What's your fellowship with God like? What's your time in God's presence like? Because our intimacy, or our lack of intimacy with the Lord, it, it, will, it will show in our lives. If we're someone that walks in great intimacy with God, it's going to show. Um, your closeness with him will, will, will show forth. There'll be fruit in your life that demonstrates this person's been with Jesus. If you guys remember in, in the book of Acts, They looked at Peter and John and they said, man, these are uneducated men, fishermen, these these guys. But they say, you know, we we recognize about them. They have been with Jesus. It showed. It just showed. It wasn't something they didn't didn't go around wearing, you know, Jesus T-shirts and banners and stuff like that. They just saw them and they said, man, we can tell by how you speak, by what you do, how you behave. You've been hanging out with Jesus. We see him in you. And this was spoken by people that didn't even like Jesus. So it wasn't a compliment when they said, we could tell that y'all have been with Jesus. They weren't saying that in a complimentary way. As Christians, we would wear that in a very complimentary way. Someone said, man, I can tell you've been with Jesus. All right, oh, amen. You know, we would wear that in a very, you know, we'd be, we'd be glad that someone else could see that. That's not how they meant it when they said that to them, but it showed that they had been with Jesus. They had been sitting at his feet. They had been in the studies. They had been listening to the word. And so they had been with Jesus and it showed. So something I would challenge us to consider in our day-to-day life, What is your time with the Lord? How much time do you make for the Lord every day? And I say it that way because that's how it has to go. You have to make time for the Lord. Um, Some people get going with their life and uh, I I hate to hear somebody say, I just haven't really had time. Ooh, don't say that. Mm, You had 24 hours. Don't say you didn't have time for him. Say you didn't make time. Say you didn't use your time in a way that gave God time. But don't say you didn't have time. You had 24 hours. You may have decided that you needed to spend this much of it at work and this much at school and this much with the kids. But don't say you didn't have time. You didn't make time. You make time. And so what is your time with the Lord? Like what's your time in the word like day by day? Do you feed on his word in a daily way? Just time where you sit with the Lord and he speaks to you and you listen. Do you read? Do you have a devotional life? Um you know, and I, I, I would say this about a devotional life because uh, there are different ways, ways that people approach it. Some people read books. None, none wrong with books. I love gleaning from those that have gone before me. Um, but that's not a primary way. To spend time with the Lord. Um, the way you spend time, the way if I want to God, I want to hear from you. I want to have just an intimate interaction with you. I want you to speak to me. It's just just keep in mind what you do with a person. If you want to be with, if you want to have a one-on-one time with somebody, you usually say, hey, let's get together. You know, let's have some FaceTime. Let's 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 get together, go sit down, have a meal, whatever. Uh, you want to get some one-on-one time with somebody, you got to go be with them. Well, if you want some one-on-one time with the Lord, you need to be with him. and to be in his word. This is where he'll speak to you. Um, reading a book is like this. It's like someone else that spent time one-on-one with the Lord. They got ministered to. And it was so good, they wrote it down in a book. And it's secondhand. It might not even be for you. It was what God gave them, and they're sharing it with you. And it might be edifying, but that's not like direct connect. That's not hearing from God for you. And so I, I try to discourage people early on from looking at books as a devotional life because it's kind of crippling. Then People never learn how to just get, the, how, you know how to just sit with the Bible. Can you just sit with your Bible open and, and read and pray and hear back from the Lord, hear God speak to you? Everybody needs to develop that. Um, he's the bread of life. And you, you need to learn how to hear his voice. You need to learn how to just read and let the Lord minister to you, speak to you. How does God speak to you through the word? You got to spend time in it to get there. And so um, I would ask us all to consider that. Is your time with the Lord, is your fellowship, is, your, is it fresh? Uh, is it something some people they take out their Bible at Sunday at church? And they go in their car and they sit it in the window. You see them people, you see them cars, that Bible be in the window all week until next Sunday. And then they get it out and they go into church with it. And they go back into the window of the car and they come back out. And that's it. That Bible's for church. Now, that's okay if you got another Bible in the house for reading on your own. But for some people, that's it. That Bible is taken out just for Sunday at church to to hear the guy speak. That's not good enough. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. We need this fellowship where we come and we're taught the word, we're instructed, but this can't take the place of personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm always gonna encourage you that you guys have time in the Word. That's why we do the Bible reading program every year. We say, hey, take this bookmark. Since you don't know how to do it, here's, here's a way to do it. It gives you an Old Testament, New Testament, a Psalm, and a Proverb. Take, take it take you to the Bible in a year. It gives you something that you can, you can walk through. Some other people are going through it with you. You can ask questions if you, have, if you need help along the way. But you'll be going through the Word of God. And you'll be amazed. I'm amazed sometimes at how I'll be reading through something that I've read so many times. And then today, God just hit me new and afresh. I read that and taught that but today he's speaking to me different, uh, because the word is living and it's powerful, but I won't know this unless I spend time in it. I got to spend time in it. And so I I was contemplating as we're, you know, we're going through what would be considered a real rough place in the word of God. Leviticus is where most people's Bible reading plan. It dies. Uh, many people have said, I tried reading the Bible and I got to Leviticus. Then it just ended there. And, um, I realize that as we're cruising through, and we're making our way through, we, 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 we've gone through some challenging, you know, areas of the word, but there are things in it. And I have to believe that this whole thing is inspired by God. There's something in it. And I've actually, I mean, as I've gone through, I've never talked to Leviticus before. Um, I have learned things in this time through the word that I did not know. And I've been blown away. At how God has caused me to need the stuff that I have learned. Um, there's was a my daughter and another girl. They got a Bible club started at Inglewood High. we started doing the Bible club. And as we started doing the Bible club, it's been great attendance. 40, almost 50 kids are coming out uh, each week. And one young man said, hey, uh, I told my dad, I've been coming to the Bible club. My dad wants to talk to you. Can he call you? I gave him my number. Have him call me. Dad calls me up. Dad says, hey, uh, I just want to know what's going on there. My son told me he's going to the Bible club. I want you to know where I'm coming from. And he's a Hebrew Israelite. And... Guess where all their information comes from? Leviticus, Exodus, Leviticus. And so all the things that they're misconstrued and they don't, they, they they said, well, you know, this is how we know we're the people of God, and we're this and we're that, and we belong here, and this and that, and that's all come from Exodus and Leviticus. And so as the guy started talking, I'm saying, uh-huh. I'm listening, and I'm listening, I'm listening, and I'm writing my we're on the phone, and I'm getting my stuff down on the side. And I was able to walk through and say, Well, that feast means this and this thing right here means this, and this part of the temple is symbolic of that, and you look at this here, and look at that in Hebrews, and that's why it, it doesn't mean what you're saying, it means this right here and as I was doing that, I really believe the Lord said, would you have been able to do that as smooth and that's clear if you weren't going through this right nope, nope, I would have been listening to what he was saying, saying, I know it's not true, but I'm going to have to go dig it up but as he was talking, it was like, no, we just did that I just lit up in my Bible right now you know, and I didn't talk to, him, talk to men like that, you know but it was just really good and I realized, I said, the whole book. Feed these people the whole book. You need the whole book. They need the whole book. Um, I forgot who said this quote. They said, it, it takes nothing less than a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. And so, you know, I can't leave out the, the difficult parts. Um, so, so, anyway, what's your time in God's presence, in God's word? What's that look like? And is it fresh? Do you, do you, do you spend regular time daily? to be with the Lord, to be in his word, that he might speak to you. Uh, We all need to. And so I'm encouraging you that you would you would make time for the Lord. Um, Verse 10. Now we switch gears and we're going to look at a little story of something that takes place here. It says now the son of an Israelite woman whose father was Egyptian went out among the children of Israel and this Israelite woman's son, and a man of Israel fought each other in the camp. Let me stop right there. Israelite woman's son, whose father is an Egyptian. Anybody see any problem with that so far? Because we'll come back to it. Anybody see any problem with that? An Israelite woman who has a son, his daddy's Egyptian. Anybody see anything not kosher? They married, but the problem is not that they're married. The problem is that who are Israelites supposed to marry? Israelites are Egyptians, israelites they worship other gods they worship false gods they worship pagan gods this is wrong so i just want to point that out because everything we getting ready to read and all the stuff that go wrong i didn't want to read over that so fast and we just look at what went wrong and not point out to you guys why it's so important and I, I guess now i really speak to you single people if you're married you're married stay married done if you're single though it is so critical that you wait on the lord that you don't rush out ahead of the lord that you don't become impatient, God taking too long, and you go out there and get you some loser. Um, go get you somebody in the world. That's what. That's I don't know how this relationship hooked up, but this Israelite woman didn't end up with no Israelite man that worshipped the true and living God. She ended up with this Egyptian man. One of the problems that will inevitably happen when you take people that are not of one accord, that are not equally yoked together, um, especially if it's the man that's not, you know, that's that's, that's not that's a, he's the head. And he's not saved. He's not right with God. When you have some kids, which way are they going to go? Who's going to be instructing them? Whose instruction is going to win out? Um, you, you really don't want that. Because I tell people this. You know, a lot of people don't think about this in their singleness. But as you picking some guy, single girls, you're picking your child's father. And so you might be looking at a job and some muscles and things like that. But but the, the can he lead? The dude know Lord? The, can he can he can he pray? Can he get a, can he, does God even have a relationship with the Lord? I mean, what you really picking your kid's father. Same thing to a, a guy, you know, guy, maybe guys look with their eyes and they pick a pretty body and, and pretty features. And that's going to be a mother to your children. She's going to be able to lead them. She's going to have a lot of influence over your kids. A lot of sway. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Um, so we need to really be careful to heed the counsel in the word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 6, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. It shouldn't even be a consideration for us to, for 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 Christians um, to date, to engage with a non-believer. And I hear people all the time make the compromise. Well, you know, they say they'd be willing to come to church. Um, yeah, maybe maybe yeah, in church with you for a while. Um, he says he say he loves the Lord, but you see, he he he, he the way he's treating you, or the way he's what he's trying to get out of you, is an indication that he don't really love the Lord. Um, we just need to be really wise, really cautious. Do this God's way. So anyway, back to our story. Son of an Israelite woman, father was the Egyptian, went out among the children of Israel and the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp. So uh, this woman who, this son, who daddy's Egyptian and mother's is Israelite, he had a fight uh, with another Israelite. They're out there fighting in the street somewhere. Verse 11, and the Israelite woman's son Blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed, and so they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shelomith, the daughter of Debris and of the tribe of Dan. So a lot I see in verse eleven. One, so this, they have a fight out there, and when this guy is in, somehow in the fight, maybe he got beat up, maybe he got the, the, the raw end of it, and so he said, I'm, "I'm a, I just want to say something." You know, you get beat up and you still want to say something mean. He, this guy said, "I'm, I'm a curse your God." Ooh. Well, understand this: in Egyptian culture, they regularly cursed their gods. They had so many of them. they The sun god didn't show up, and and our hearts, our our harvest man cursed him. And they cursed that god, and the, this god over here didn't do what they wanted. They cursed that god, and because their gods were not gods at all, they can curse them gods, and nothing happened. Well, he brought this mindset over to the Israelite, the true and the living God, and. Uh, I only can wonder you know got a egypt got an Egyptian dad um maybe Dad maybe he's heard dad curse God before uh maybe he's seen this at home maybe when Dad and mom argue, maybe Dad you know say some stuff to mom about her 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 God or whatever we don't know, but he's out there cursing God now it's a a sin in Israel it's a sin to blaspheme God to curse him and you guys hear me say this all the time, but I'm gonna really go in on it right here just for our benefit. There are people that feel like it's okay at times to vocalize your anger at God. And I always say, "Mm, mm, don't do that. Because usually people are attributing to God, blaming God for something that didn't go right in their life. That God never said, you know, he never said it. You know, God never said your life's going to be perfect. That once you believe in me, nothing bad will ever happen to you again. Your kids will be perfect. You have the best job. He never said that. So when it doesn't happen to curse him, and be mad at him, is, is not even fair. He never said it was going to be that way. But I always wonder because I'm thinking right here, God, it was a big deal. You think this guy's going to be stoned to death for this? In Israel, if you cursed, you spoke wicked against the Lord, you spoke evil against God in that way, that was punishable by death. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I think it's a big deal how we speak about God. It might not be punishable by death. But I know that God didn't like it. I know that he didn't take kindly to it. I know it wasn't a small deal to him. And so I challenge people, when things are not going well, someone you love died, someone got cancer, some tragedy happens, you really need him at that moment. God needs your comfort. I'm hurting. I need, I need you to minister to me. I don't know what's going on. I, I just need to look to you, Lord. That's where you really want to come before the Lord. You don't want to be out there shaking your fist at God and speaking uh angrily to the lord that's your only help first of all and what god promised to do for you and me got nothing to do with the well-being of your kids and the well your perfect health for the rest of your life god what god did for you and me is salvation he died in my place i'm going to heaven when this thing is over with. that's what i get from the lord i don't have a promise that says i'll never get sick I don't have a promise that says and nothing you know nothing whatever no tragedy whatever before i just don't have it so should it happen i can't be shaking my fist at god i gotta cry out and say god help me you knew this was coming i didn't know i'm taking off guard i need help i need you to minister to me and so just be cautious you guys be careful that it's, it's a big deal um it's a big deal to the lord so anyway back to our story here so this this is this, this this kid who's mixed israelite and egyptian he cursed god and in verse 12, it said, now, I'm sorry, I meant to point this out in verse 11 as well. Um, his mother's name is Shalometh. And the reason I believe she has, you know, she's something to blame. The Holy Spirit saw fit to put her name in scripture for all eternity. That we would all know who this kid's mother was. They could have just said, this, they could have just left it blank. This Israelite, this kid whose mother was Israelite and dad was, it didn't name his dad. But it names his mother right here. Why is she named in scripture for all eternity? I think because she messed up and married an Egyptian man and and brought and brought this issue uh, into the camp of Israel. She's named her name goes there. So I just would say once again for extra emphasis for all you single people to wait on the Lord. Let God do it. Let God do it. Let God do it. Let God do it. Don't go do it yourself. I have seen countless do it yourself projects. They all fail afterwards. You can't DIY your relationships. You got to let the Lord do it. And so if you get out there, like I'm, I'm not a good project person. I don't do. I'm not a handyman. I'm not a DIY person. Um, if I do it, it's probably going to break. If I make a chair, you don't want to sit in it. Um, you know, that's just not my gig. When it comes to relationships, marital things, you got to let the Lord put them things together. And at least, you know, you only want to be open to pursuing something that lines up with what his word says. I'm shocked at times how many Christians are willing to consider things that are clear violations. That's when you end up in situations like this.
0: Pastor Bill Buffington will share more from the book of Leviticus right here on A Transforming Word. But that's all we have time for today. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood and our prayer is that this ministry touches your faith in such a way that you grow closer to Jesus. We know just how hard it is to live like Christ in a world full of darkness. But just as the Israelites had to learn, God is near. Even when you don't see Him, even when you don't feel Him, even when you don't understand Him, He is near and He is for you. His grace is endless and His love is deep. When the pressures of this world get to you, remember who you are in Him. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Leviticus and you'd like to study the Bible more deeply, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and you'll find resources and tools to help you continue to grow in your faith. Before we go, we also want to let you know that you can connect with us on social media too. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll add some uplifting content to your week. A Transforming Word is a broadcast on the radio and our goal is to help spread the good news of the gospel. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. To learn more from Leviticus, Be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.